0: Coming at you live from a rough looking landmark in computer animation, it's Cartoon Night in Canada. Hey, what you watching? the good, the bad, and just plain weird of Canadian cartoons. I'm your co-host, Chris Lucy Antonio.
1: And I'm your co-host, Sylvie Kettles.
0: And for this episode, we kind of want to paint a picture of early 90s CGI for you.
1: I want you uh, to sit yourself in 1994. 1994
0: and the preceding years, and come to understand how quickly this technology was developing and how soon so much of it would become out of date within months, weeks, years of premiering?
1: Sorry, I got distracted thinking about 3D Dinosaur. What? 3D Dinosaur Adventure. <laughs> it was a computer... <laughs> I'm sorry. I literally missed the last half of your sentence because I was thinking about 3D Dinosaur Adventure.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. So within like the early 90s, there was uh, a lot of advancements made with CGI or computer graphic imaging animation. And with each new development, the one that came previous, the television series, the movie or the video game that came before it, looked massively out of date and primitive compared to what preceded it or, or actually what came after it, because this was a technology that was Slowly but surely, actually quickly but surely, getting better and more refined with each iteration. So, which each new kind of series or television or film in like this timeline, pretty much everything was a pioneer in some way or another. So, at this time, this technology was being used to its fullest and to surprising effect.
1: Yeah, like if if you look at um, Pixar's very early cgi shorts that they were just experimenting with using cgi as a narrative element and then boom they've got toy story in 1995 and then just watching their progression to like say toy story four a couple years ago like just the difference in where that technology has gone is amazing but then even just the the shorter jump from shorts to a feature-length film Is astronomical.
0: Yeah, and the way it was going is that with every kind of film or television show that integrated integrated CGI animation, it was an integration. It wasn't fully composed of CGI animation because that thought at the time was absolutely insane due to the cost, the man hours involved, and the fact that no one had really done that before.
1: And the fact that to even, it, it just doesn't look good, or it doesn't look for the time. Kind of, no, yeah, it doesn't look. Uh, well, there's that that drive for that push for photorealism, which, as we said, we hate. It's bad, and so like there's there's a lot of people creating and and saying like, well, we can have our desired effect without in like without CGI. We don't need to develop on it, and so they're just not willing to spend that money and that time into making it look the way they want to because it's such a limited medium at the time
0: and the technology hasn't advanced far enough where you could sustain an entire production using this technology and make it look good make it look professional make it look refined like the technology just wasn't there at the time but that didn't stop people like in 93 we had uh the first fully cg animated tv special which was the incredible crash dummies have you ever heard of this i have not very bad (laughs) um it looks incredibly rough for the time and uh even though it's a year preceding the thing that we are talking about today uh the difference is stark and incredibly noticeable like the rough edges that we will get into with the show today is nothing compared to what that looked like but the same year Of The Incredible Crash Dummies, we also had the first VeggieTales uh, direct-to-video release.
1: And VeggieTales looks great, okay?
0: Well, let's not go that far. But VeggieTales 1993, Mm -hmm. uh, again, this is the first run at a fully CG animated anything. So it's going to look a little rough around the edges, and it's going to really impart to an audience that this is m- being made with an incredibly new technology and the expertise and the innovation is just not quite there yet. Also, yeah. it's Christian propaganda.
1: Absolutely. Um, the Yeah, the whole history of C- CGI storytelling is one of people just trying to cut, bend over backwards to figure out a new reason to explain why it looks like that. So to to simplify things to a point where no one's going to be like, well, that looks uncanny and terrifying. So for VeggieTales, they're vegetables. For Toy Story, it's they're flat and shiny because they're made of plastic. The humans in that movie are terrifying. And for Reboot, it's because we're inside a computer. So everything just looks weird and digital.
0: Speaking to uh, Canadian animation as being a continual trendsetter and... Not, not to get in on my uh, national pride horse here for a second, but
1: no, we hate that horse.
0: Yes, but the fact that we are constantly attempting to do more with this medium of animation, we had we our country uh, spearheaded reboot the first fully CGI animated series on uh, cable television. Uh, now there's some kind of there's some argument that it's not like. As innovative as it was because there was a french show called Insectors which uh was completely computer animated uh and aired on television but it was only 12 minutes long every episode was only 12 minutes so yes
1: yeah, so that doesn't count
0: it does not Reboot holds the distinction as the first half hour computer animated TV series By Gavin Blair, Ian Pearson, Phil Mitchell, and John Grace, and predominantly designed by Ian Gibson and Brendan McCarthy of 2000 AD and Judge Dredd fame. The show was produced by Vancouver-based Mainframe Entertainment and originally aired on YTV between September of 1994 and November of 2001. For the episode, we watched the series premiere entitled The Tearing, which aired on September 10th, 1994. Uh, what are your memories of Reboot, Sylvie?
1: My memories comprise of in- entirely of the advertisements for reruns when it was in syndication in, like, the mid-aughts uh, into the early 2010s, because it was still being re-aired on YTV. And I never watched it, but I saw the hell out of those ads.
0: Yeah, very true. Um My personal history is that I was always aware of it and always captivated by it because literally nothing else on television looked like it. Mm -hmm. Like, this was... This is one of those kind of, like, moments in uh, your viewing habits as a kid that completely opens your mind's eye to what the medium can be because this was something that had never aired on television before. Like, a fully CGI animated series as we have said, didn't exist beforehand. So this was an experience to see Reboot for the first time and to realize, like, this is this is also animation. This is what it all also could look like. This is what it also could move like. And for its part, um, I always had an issue with it because I was never a fan because specifically, I had a thing with 3D animation as a kid where Like, the Uncanny Valley really creeped me out. So anything like this specifically, or, like, um, the movie The Lawnmower Man, like, there was nothing scarier (laughs) to me than the look of, like, those kind of computer-drawn humans. It just freaked me the fuck out. So reboot specifically, I was always wary of. My brother was a huge fan. But, yeah, like, it was never specifically for me.
1: Yeah, I was definitely in a similar boat where, like, CGI animation was just not appealing to me, and I was such a snob as a kid, just like, oh, it does not please my uh, mine eye. I, I fie, I say fie. Now let me continue watching Jacob Tutu.
0: Yeah, that that's somehow the more pleasant looking show, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I think we should get this right out of the way, and this is absolutely. Not a value judgment or a criticism of the hardworking people at Mainframe Entertainment, but sitting from the privileged place of hindsight, this is a janky-ass-looking show.
1: It's so awkward.
0: Uh, all of the animation is stiff as hell. Very limited. Uh, the The facial expressions are ex- extremely limited to like a v- very specific handful of face movements uh the city they live in like a a mainframe city within a computer uh it's all just geometric shapes and very bright colors and it's rough it is it's it's hard to take in but it is all very rough around the edges and angular and unpleasant and that's kind of why it's so great
1: yeah i was gonna say i wouldn't have it any other way
0: because we can we can critique it like the way it looks from a place of hindsight of like and ha- and our frame of reference today of what CGI animation looks like, but back in '94 we had literally nothing to compare reboot to.
1: Yeah, because there was no other fully CGI animated TV series that we could turn to and be like, oh well, this one looks a heck of a lot better.
0: I'm I'm sure in a year's time, like I, I can't remember specifically, but a year a year later when I saw toy story or like years down the line when i did eventually see toy story i thought like wow reboot looks like shit compared to that (laughs) but you can't you can't compare the budget of pixar to the vancouver-based mainframe entertainment who had to pump out 23 minutes of completely original cgi animation every week
1: yeah like that is a ridiculous timeline to consider I think I read somewhere that the the pilot episode took about 18 months of production to get out, which makes sense because you're building an entire world and characters from the ground up and also debugging the programming system as you're animating.
0: You were doing something quite literally nobody had done before every week. Yep. The pioneering spirit of the people at Mainframe Entertainment, like for committing to this animation style and really trying to make it work over the four seasons that they were given. And to have it come out the way it did is incredibly impressive for the time. Like As much as we could rag on the stiffness of how it looks and the really awkwardness of its animation, like that's completely understandable because there was literally nothing like it.
1: I was going to say, the only thing that I could feasibly see being compared to Reboot is like, Those, um, in-game animations, um, Machinima. Uh, like, early PS2 era where people were, like, taking the assets from a video game and toying with it to animate into something completely new. Uh, and it moves in a very similar way to Reboot, but again, that's- even that is happening a decade later.
0: Yeah, like, that wouldn't be coming to, uh, practice or kind of like really be sustainable to the late 2000s like yeah i mean there were a there were like a, a couple things like in the like late 80s early 90s of people attempting to use these assets from video games to rig up animation but it's very much of its time and not as sophisticated as again as reboot was which again was completely built from the ground up there like this isn't like today where like uh, cgi software comes with a lot of It comes with a lot of assets that you can use, or there are like assets on like storefronts that you can buy online. Like this was all created from the ground up and completely innovated on the spot by the people at Mainframe. Yeah, Uh,
1: if you buy buy Clip Paint Studio today, you can just have an entire convenience store 3D model inside and out with things on the shelf just given to you.
0: Yeah, so it doesn't really matter that like this whole show kind of looks like those bowling alley animations when you get a strike exactly what it looks like it's fine it's absolutely fine because I, like i love it nothing else looked at like look like, looked like that at the time and sure like as i said i probably compared it to toy story at the time but you know what like season one of reboot was like 300 plus minutes of cgi animation toy story was what 80 if that so yeah i mean for for all that like toy story kind of stole the thunder of reboot in terms of Being the pioneering CGI animation example, Reboot was, and it can't be overstated, incredibly influential and important for the time that it came in.
1: Like, it is a landmark of CGI storytelling.
0: And revisiting it now, I mean, sure, as we we can rag on the stiff-as-hell animation and the limited kind of look of it all and the very basic assemblage of textures and... Uh, colors that it had to use due to the limitations of the technology I mean it's still very sophisticated here and there I mean the camera movements uh the camera rigging is very intricate and expressive uh the shadows and renders on certain things are really are like i are, are really polished here and there mm-hmm. some of the reflections specifically on uh textures are really good for the time and and, and like, a lot of, like, the, the detail put into Mainframe City, where all the characters w- live, it's, like, it feels like a fully realized world, rather than, like, kind of a slap together backdrop.
1: Yeah, it's clearly not just a series of cubes placed at random. Like, there's, there's a little bit of thought that has gone into, like, fleshing out an entire world, and what sorts of uh, people could populate that.
0: Let's get into, like, the premise of the show for a second. So uh reboot takes place in the city called mainframe which ins which exists inside of a computer
1: that is owned by a nebulous user
0: it's owned by a nebulous user uh the city inhabit the city's inhabitants are like robot-like binomes as they're called and human-like data sprites and they do battle with two viruses the conniving megabytes and the sadistic hexadecimal the Series follows Guardian Bob and friends Dot and Enzo Matrix. I don't know why his name's Italian.
1: Hey, Enzo!
0: Yeah, Enzo Matrix over here. I'm coding over here. (laughs) I'm
1: coding here!
0: And that trio works to protect the mainframe from Megabyte's attempts to dominate the World Wide Web and the never-seen user who inflects video games upon his computer.
1: Uh, this just in? Video games are killing your computer.
0: That's a weird thing that, like, you kind of pick up on as you're rewatching the show because, obviously, the appeal of reboot would be to video game except obsessed kids, right?
1: Yeah, like a lot of tech savvy kids of the of the late eighties, early nineties, were just like who understand all of the weirdly specific computer jokes that are being made in this show.
0: But it's so weird that, like, the implicit kind of thread of the show is that. Video games are dangerous.
1: And the internet.
0: And yeah, the internet is a very scary place, which is true.
1: Very true.
0: So Reboot was ahead of the curve on that one.
1: Yeah, Reboot knows that the internet is a nightmarish hellscape that will kill your children if you let it.
0: So with every kind of episode, at least in the first couple of seasons, when the the show was episodic in nature rather than telling a continuous narrative, which it would get to do in like later seasons, uh, the whole idea was... the the trio of characters trying to thwart Megabyte in his attempts to take over this or that internet jargon word. And occasionally a video game cube would appear in mainframe and we'd get like a fun little video game parody out of it.
1: Yeah, like it slots into a sector and then all of the um, robotic civilians of mainframe city become essentially the AI of that video game.
0: Yeah, it's... it's, uh it's very tron like
1: i even found um when we were talking earlier i went digging through some like old uh sketch art and i did find like a character design sketch that was clearly tron inspired
0: i mean yeah i uh, like the the premise itself isn't that original like cuz uh, like i'm i'm sure the the creators would admit like we were just trying to work around the limitations of our technology and this was the smartest thing we could come up with yeah. Is that, like we can only really do these uh, geometric kind of environments that lack a lot of detail. So it made sense. Like, yeah, what if it was just in in a computer, and that was kind of like the switchboard inside of it, or the the microchip, or whatever have you. Like, so it, it just it just came out of uh, convenience and necessity to build yeah. this premise into it. But it's very Tron-like.
1: Yep. Yeah, very. Um, like you're working with uh, within the limitations of of the medium.
0: Yeah, and be, and because of that, it's not trying to be realistic at all.
1: No, it's it fully leans into the sort of blocky, pixely uh look uh, that could be associated with like the internet superhighway, of just here is a thing that is vaguely science fictiony looking. It's it looks digital. It looks like what you could believe the inside of your computer looks like
0: what you're trying to explain to like like a child like, like a nine-year-old like what the inside of a computer looks like mm-hmm. they're not going to understand the specifics of it so putting it into this kind of context really helps like like looking at the show and trying to try to pinpoint like the idea of mainframe as like your like your, your computer is like hard drive. It's antiquaries. It's like yeah, it's not one to one, obviously, but you get the basic premise of it. Yeah,
1: it's it's a good rough idea for. I think I want to say Magic School Bus ended up doing something like oddly similar.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mm-hmm. it's a how si- how else would you really kind of like uh, theorize or like visualize the inside of a computer than this?
1: Yeah, like a city with with its own working parts, where every part has a function, is a very good an early analogy for how a computer works and this is coming from someone who still doesn't fully understand how a computer works
0: oh uh, i'm i'm well past the point of trying to
1: <laughs> i know my glow box does the thing
0: yeah it's it's all you need
1: <laughs> and if it doesn't do the thing i just turn it on off and on again
0: or or call someone who does know yeah as i said we watched the premiere of the show and how do you think it did at setting up this whole premise because it had a lot to get through
1: yeah Uh, it's it's a bit fast in places uh but in in a way that like it has to be of you have 30 minutes to both set up this entire world and your main cast your core conflict um the look and feel of the show while also telling a complete episode like you you have to have like a a three-act structure but also we have a lot of content to get through. and so it is fast at times, but i think at the end of the day it it sticks the landing and is a solid first episode.
0: Yeah, like it it covers the basic premise of the series uh and introduces all the characters, their roles and does like a does a complete like summation of what every episode will be kind of like moving forward until uh the the series gets more complex narratively. Uh it it's really efficient that way and despite the fact that so much of it probably so much of experiencing this first episode is trying to wrap your head around the look. Mm -hmm. So story wise (laughs) a lot of it could be could fall by the wayside because you're just you're just really taking in what what this is, like what how it moves.
1: There's a lot of coming to grips with oh this is this is just what the show looks like, huh? Okay. Okay, we can do this. Like the um Bob when he when he wakes up for work i guess and he's got like this weird electronic waterbed looking thing
0: i mean that was uh that was a staple of early 90s computer <laughs> animation that that specific like wavy texture effect like that usually was a stand in for water and other kind of liquids cuz we couldn't do liquid yet
1: pretty sure i had a screensaver that looked like
0: that there is a lot of things that could be missed, like can be confused for screensavers in the show. Like like the <gasps> no, specifically... no, no. What
1: if that's what it is? Cause he's asleep. The program is asleep, so it's gone into screensaver mode.
0: Yeah, but it's still there when he gets up.
1: Yeah. But it still takes the computer takes a minute to wake up, you know?
0: Oh, the computer never sleeps. Like, <laughs> like I mainframe city never shuts down.
1: <laughs> the user of this computer is absolutely just the kind of person who like If it were, like, it's not a laptop, obviously, this is the 90s, but, like, they're the kind of person who just, like, closes the lid of their laptop and goes to bed.
0: That's a perfectly acceptable way of living. I don't know why you're shaming people for doing that. (laughs) Like, like your, like your (laughs) co-host.
1: Your poor computer, Chris.
0: That's fine. Let
1: let it sleep.
0: It's running now, isn't it? (laughs)
1: Let her sleep.
0: So, like, yeah, like, uh, Uh, bob's bed that kind of texture it's also on the the game cubes as well as the tear Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's like they were just using with whatever they could create at the time and that is a really interesting effect that can be done for these kind of ethereal ideas such as these these weird video game cubes that drop from the sky and destroy part of the city
1: (laughs) yeah can we get into that real quick what happens if the player wins the video game
0: yeah, it's a running thread through this uh, series that doesn't really that that doesn't really get dealt with until the the series becomes more serious. But p- part of that premise is uh, the the user drops a video game into the mainframe, and the characters, if they're caught in that, if they're caught in that GameCube that gets put in their city, they become MB- NPCs in this in whatever video game they choose. This allowed the creators of the show to getting some really nice video game parodies, uh, uh, recognizable stuff. But also add a lot of kind of gravity and severity to the series. Because if the user wins, any of the characters who were caught within the GameCube have their souls taken.
1: Yeah, like they're not just dead. They just cease to be themselves and their bodies are just reduced to this amorphous little wormy, wormy guy.
0: That's really heavy.
1: (laughs) Like, that is hellish.
0: Like, from the beginning, even though it was very light in tone and was really, like, funny and uh, silly and it's in the approach to, like, making it appeal to children, it's like, they were were starting to build in these more... these, These higher stakes into the show from the beginning. And by the third or fourth season, when like, the show becomes like a dystopic wasteland, uh, It com- becomes like a dystopic fantasy of these characters who are now uh, grizzled and aged, traveling the internet, trying to find their way back to their home.
1: Enzo phone
0: home. Like, th- this show goes places, and I can totally understand why today that it has this enduring fan base.
1: Yeah. Because
0: once you get invested into it, it really delivers on more and more lore and Interesting detail.
1: Yeah, it's. I I almost want to say it's like a little bit of a of a preamble into like what Avatar would eventually be able to do for for television moving forward, where it's like very similar in that their first season is very episodic, uh, very like just just trucking along, very lighthearted, and then the first season succeeds, and then they get finally get a little bit of freedom to be like, okay, now. Buckle up, kids. Now we're going to tell the story that we wanted to do.
0: Which I honestly respect the hell out of because, uh, honestly, kids can handle more like more serious uh, subject matter in their television shows. Uh,
1: Absolutely.
0: And we're seeing a lot of that with the current uh, quote-unquote golden age of children's television animation that we are still... I, I, I think we're still within the bubble of that or I maybe, maybe so. that wave-crested. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, because I haven't really kept up with anything new recently, but there was a period when a lot of adults were, t- like, uh, past 10 years, where a lot of adults were taking interest in shows that their kids were watching and realized, like, these are being produced by some really smart people.
1: Yep. Really, really. A lot of, there's a lot of good talent in there, a lot of skilled writers, skilled artists, all crafting, like what aesthetically looks very whimsical and childish and then sits down and goes like kids can handle a lot and childish things can tell complex stories.
0: In that respect, reboot was another kind of innovator in that field. Mm -hmm. Like this is a, this is a very like uh sophisticated and mature storytelling going on here. Also, I, I really wanted to mention real quick, um, the technical specifics of Reboot. So it was created on uh, Silicon Graphics workstations using soft image creative environment software, which at the time, 94, was a high-end state-of-the-art software for 3D animation, which is why we're saying, like, you can rag on its look all you want, but this was as good as it got because they invested a lot of money into this show.
1: Oh, yeah. I forget if if the book had any, like, specific numbers, but, like... Uh yeah, so after after the pilot, um, the money was quick, quickly running out on remaining episodes, and so like the one of the producers, uh, Chris Bro, said the company was re- running on a wing and a prayer for the first season.
0: Yeah yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm not surprised at all. So a- actually, uh, I have the figure right here. Uh, the first season, from uh from '94. 13 episodes cost 10 million dollars to produce. Holy
1: shit. And that's okay, that's 10 million 1994 money.
0: Which is like double that now.
1: Yeah. At least due to
0: inflation. So whatever you can like whatever you can say about uh how poorly or supposedly poorly that the show has aged in the looks department, it's like at the time it wasn't getting better for than that. You you had top industry professionals and more money than anyone had at the time for television animation going into this series
1: yeah it's easy to say like oh well it looks good for its time but no like it it, that is as good as it could be in 1994
0: (laughs) and honestly I think as we've been circling around like the very kind of limited uh the, the limited opportunities of animation that the technology provided is charming as hell today
1: it's still yeah, I was really expecting to go into this and go like, "Oh, well, you know, it's it's okay. It's it's a little janky, a little oversaturated." No, it it looks charming. A lot of the writing is incredibly charming even though it's using a lot of these like now outdated computer terms. Like one of the characters is named Dot Matrix. And I think even when I w- when I was a kid, I don't think I knew what a dot matrix printer was but like oh i,
0: I absolutely did not
1: <laughs> so i was expecting to for there to be a lot of stuff like that and i would be like oh uh, okay little little hammy old internet technology haha and no i found that that old terminology to be extremely charming and delightful
0: and even the fact that like because this is 94 this has a significant degree of early 90s attitude all over this show and in the like, writing
1: attitude
0: exactly and so the the fact that their slang is kind of computer lingo i think is really charming
1: it's delightful
0: like when uh enzo uh matrix is telling off megabyte he says like yeah and you can copy and paste that
1: and then he says he's gonna we, we gotta like backslash delete him i love it
0: or when the wise uh the, the wise character Fong, who used to be like the command dot com of mainframe, says like, "There's an old readme file old readme. that says keep your enemies close and you'll you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer and say so like that instead of saying you know there's an old saying that goes it's like it's an or old or like readme an old file.
1: scroll. I love it so much. It's so charming. I, I I couldn't stop. I could not stop smiling for the whole episode. Every time someone opened their mouth, I was just like, this is this is lovely."
0: One of my favorite jokes in the entire um, in the entire episode is, like, uh, they, they have these vid windows that pop up, which are, like, li- little, like, uh, you know, little boxes, like, or uh, windows that you would have on your computer screen that have, yeah. um, has, like, usually megabytes appearing to insult or threaten the characters. And one of them, it, like, the vin- window appears between Bob and uh, Dot Matrix, and the camera goes around so that both can talk to him and on what and on one side when it gets to dot matrix as it does like a full rotation of the window text on the window says this is a reversible two-sided. window but it's yeah. two-sided reversible window and it's printed backwards and like yeah. that's really clever <laughs> that's a really clever joke to work around this like infinite possibility of space within this 3d environment
1: yeah, he can just have a two-sided video window so that he can threaten two people at once.
0: Yeah, it's like everything is so visually dated, but it works to it. The, the, the show creators work it to the advantage of... And I think them being industry professionals, they knew the show was going to look outdated really quickly. Mm-hmm. Because they they're the ones working in the industry. They know what's being developed and they would have to constantly be on top of this new technology that's coming out and new innovation because with every week someone was doing something every month every someone was doing something new with cgi animation and new technology was being constantly developed so i think them kind of buckling down saying okay this is what it looks like and we're going to do the best we can to like lean into that potential datedness i I think it's, it's really smart
1: absolutely like it's it's brilliant God, and fucking Tony J can have as many screens as he wants to deliver threats to children.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, a, a little into that. Um, the voice cast is uh, really good. So you, you got some well-known staples of uh, both Canadian and American an- television animation at the time. You had uh, Michael ben as Bob. You had Kathleen Barr as Dot Matrix. And you had the... Man with the deepest voice in all of history, Tony J as Megabyte. This
1: is uh, a pre-Frollo era for him.
0: Uh, Pre, like, Shere Khan in Jungle Book 2, too. Oh, fuck. Like, this dude's baritone. Like, I understand why he only played villains in the majority of his career, (laughs) because, like, how do you you cast that guy as anything else?
1: How do you you listen to that man and go, ah, yes, romantic lead?
0: Yeah, he just had, like, this evil purr to his voice and it's so it, it's so perfect for the role of the evil computer virus.
1: just good. So yeah like a,
0: yeah so across the board I think the show paradoxically paradoxically both holds up and doesn't because it's incredibly dated both in look, in writing and in what it was kind of like commenting on at the time in terms of the technology and both and like uh, computer culture, but mm-hmm. because of that, it becomes this really nice. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Time capsule of the specific era of computer animation. Because no sooner that than no sooner than it premiered was it outdated. Absolutely, and
1: that, that's, so, like that's so crazy to think
0: about. Yeah, exactly. Like it came and went so quickly that did it really even leave an impact and it did it absolutely did i'd say but, so oh i know so because beyond even us doing this episode on reboot like the reboot fandom has endured
1: yeah people cannot stop talking about reboot to the point where like i i definitely had a moment where it's like did i watch reboot because i feel like i know a lot about reboot and no it was just there were just a lot of people around me constantly who loved Reboot.
0: I I think this is, like, probably one of, like, of all the shows we'll probably cover, this is the one that will be brought up most fondly, and mm-hmm. most people will, like, recognize it, because, again, once you see Reboot, if you were to watch it at that time, you would never forget it. Absolutely. And, oh, and also, beyond that, it's like, it still looks interesting, and it's still widely available today, and for, for what it was at the time, it's it really holds up.
1: Oh, yeah. I This is definitely... I think you were joking about it earlier, um, but it's definitely going to be one that I return to. Like, I'm probably going to keep going. Um,
0: yeah, and, and thanks to the people at Shout Factory, like, the entire series is available on DVD and blu right now. Yeah. Which, which doesn't happen with a lot of the shows we cover.
1: S- support physical media where you can.
0: Support uh, physical media and support... Uh, restoration and any kind of preservation of old media because for even if you didn't like reboots if you thought that show was terrible this is a really specific landmark in the history of animation like this needs to be studied
1: it absolutely should i'm honestly surprised i couldn't find more academic work on reboot now i didn't look super hard but
0: oh i'm I'm sure there's I'm sure there's something out there because uh, how do you like like how do you talk about like uh, that specific field of CGI animation and like animation studies without bringing up reboots?
1: I mean, most people just like don't think about it.
0: Well, they should. It's good. They,
1: I know they should, and you know they should, but they don't.
0: Uh, do you want to get into our favorite topic when dealing with any of these shows, uh, censorship and broadcasting standards?
1: Always. Let's talk about the uniboob. Uh,
0: excuse me. It was labeled the mono breast.
1: I'm so sorry. How dare I?
0: So I had a theory about this. Uh, because audience, if you don't know this, uh, the show faced a lot of pushback from the network. Uh, Mainframe Entertainment had to do a lot of appeasing to the boards of standards and practices to make sure the show was able to appear in the way it does for whatever reason this show was labeled as incredibly inappropriate for kids at the time and they had to do a lot of rewriting and redesigning on characters and dialogue to make sure that it's acceptable and i think that was mostly because because the show isn't explicit at all There are no. a couple of like adult adult jokes that squeak in if you were to watch later episodes but it's not like it's very clearly aimed towards a kid audience from the beginning But, because I think we're dealing with a very new animation medium, and we're dealing with a specific, in terms of female characters, fully realized bodies for them. They had to make sure that any kind of definition had to be sanded off.
1: It's the uh, Lara Croft logic.
0: Pretty much. Pretty Pretty much.
1: It's true, though, because this is, like, the first time where kids are going to be seeing... In animation, a three-dimensional, uh, body, and so I don't know. I mean, like,
0: and we know if they were to expose to that, they could become in like instantly become sexual deviants. So
1: yeah, I mean, the same kids who have possibly seen Jessica Rabbit are definitely going to be more turned on by uh, uh the third dimension. <laughs> That's what she was missing
0: exactly
1: <laughs> little little bit of a little bit of high definition gloss,
0: so there was this kind of controversy surrounding uh the character dot matrix that can be affectionately called like breastgate or something like that, wherein at one point she had regular human anatomy, and they had to decurvify her chest to make it one single mono breast and the and the people who made the show hated it.
1: <laughs> well, because it A looks lot. so stupid
0: like you get the same impression that from the shape of her chest here, but at the same time it's like they really wanted not not again, not like photorealistic, they wanted it to be as accurate as possible, the human anatomy, and the b s and p said, no, no no no, that
1: you don't understand gives the wrong
0: impression that's mm. not okay for kids
1: We're not trying to turn children into sex fiends.
0: Yeah, and there are there are a lot of these like really silly controversies that surrounded this show. Like for whatever reason, they were really kind of picking on reboots and making it out to be this really inappropriate show, despite that the fact that it's not.
1: Yeah, it's probably one of the cleanest shows that we've looked at so far.
0: But specifically, the one of the most infamous cases is, uh, for one episode, uh, Dot gives her kid brother a kiss on the chin and the BSNP said why are you promoting incest? Right? <laughs> and I I love I love the quote from uh one of the creators e- uh it's not Ian Pearson, it's uh no it is Ian Pearson. They said when they were told why are you promoting incest with the scene, he said that is the sickest thing I've ever heard.
1: Right? Cuz like to look at something like that, to look at just like an innocent familial kiss on the cheek and to be like ha oh. They clearly, they clearly want to have intercourse with their siblings, and it's just like, where the fuck are you? is your head at, my dude?
0: Like, honestly, where are they getting, where are you getting this from, Reboot? It's crazy. Like,
1: there's, there's a lot of uh, projection going on here.
0: Yeah, so for whatever reason, as, mi- in, so it could be two things. It could be because we're dealing with a new animation style, and... Much like the the kids who are trying to process it for the first time, the studio execs and the boards of standards and practices are also trying to wrap their minds around it and trying to censor really something they don't understand. <clears throat> they trying to censor something they don't understand. But also because at the time, uh Reboot was also airing on the Disney owned ABC channel. Bleah. So yeah, that could that could have also really impacted how they made the show.
1: That rat's got his claws in everything.
0: Up until the third season, when ABC stopped showing it, and finally they could give their characters tits.
1: As many titties as they want.
0: Two specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they, they they were they they wanted to push back, but they weren't going to go overboard.
1: <laughs> A third titty.
0: Better show. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, that's essentially Reboot. Uh, it ran for those four seasons between 1994 and 2001. Uh, it had a bit of a controversy with its final season, which aired like at least a year after the third season wrapped up because there was a plan for two movies to be released, uh, either on television or in theaters, to kind of culminate what was a... Expanding and continuous narrative, and finish it off on a good note. And then that just didn't happen because a lot of confidence in the show was falling through. A lot of companies were taking over and buying out uh, the owners of Reboots, and it eventually aired on television and, at the very least, ended on a good note. And yeah, then
1: uh, a, 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 an ending was largely reached.
0: Then Netflix show happened which we don't talk about no it didn't yeah there's been like a protracted kind of history of reboot of trying to make a new one or bring it back <laughs> to because, reboot
1: reboot if you will to
0: reboot to reboot reboot because 90s nostalgia is always in
1: at least for and a few more years
0: at least for a few more years then we'll get into like early 2000s nostalgia
1: aughts nostalgia which we're i mean we're already seeing because netflix is doing a an avatar series
0: yeah, and like, like technically new metals back, so we're ah. we're in the full swing of it.
1: Ah, uh, cycles.
0: Time is a flat circle.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go watch more reboot. I think.
0: Honestly, I might too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I at least I, would, yeah, at least really want to get into like where the story kicks in. Like I'm very yeah, interested like... in in seeing. With, what what the hell this grown up enzo's adventures are going to be in internet hellscape
0: and like watching that like watching the entire series kind of like back to back uh like from like or actually continuously is the right word there uh you kind of get in real time like an impression of how quickly cgi animation was sophisticating cuz mm. with with each new episode something gets more and more refined
1: yeah, some, some animator figured out one new trick or this new software was developed.
0: Yeah, because like in, in the beginning, they were essentially teaching themselves how to make this show because mm-hmm. this has never been done before. And with each new episode, they get a little bit better at streamlining the process so that they can put more effort into other things to like making the show look as good as it did by its fourth season. And like taking this... Again, it's a really short span of time. It's seven years that the show was on air and within those seven years like just how quickly uh cgi animation sophisticated you can like watch in real time on screen
1: yeah and that's that's something i very much look forward to doing
0: and like like nowadays like uh cgi animation is the go-to
1: yeah it's considered like a default it like if even if it's not 3d cgi like it's 2d animation done using 3d software
0: like uh, the week we are recording this um, episode, uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios released like the the latest one in Kanto. I think it's called. Yeah. Like that got released this week, and that's like their 9th, tenth, or eleventh uh, computer animated, uh, animated computer animated film, because they don't do traditional animation anymore. No one does.
1: It was intentionally sabotaged and murdered by John Lasseter, but we're not going to talk about that.
0: I mean, we can talk about that because John Lasseter was also kind of responsible for, uh, Toy Story taking all the thunder away from reboots.
1: Okay, we can talk about that. Yeah, John Lasseter sucks.
0: Always has, always will.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And he personally, uh, murdered Disney's 2D film animation department with his bare hands.
0: Yeah, let's not, uh... Let's change the wording on that so we don't get in trouble. I, well, actually, you know what? Uh, the 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 guy is still dealing with sexual misconduct uh, allegations, so he can go to hell.
1: For legal reasons, this is what, alleged.
0: Not to derail this whole thing. <laughs> what, what, Please. What was like? What was the issue there? Like he was like inappropriately touching people.
1: Uh, yes. I don't remember. Um, there were also some problems of like his misconduct around like female animators
0: oh here, here it is uh grabbing kissing and making comments about physical attributes against employees wishes that's the one bad guy very bad guy
1: yeah and so he got to take away all of the glory that uh should have been reboots
0: yeah and we'll, we're, we're like joking a bit but at the same time like why why isn't reboot more fondly remembered why isn't like Everyone talking about this, why hasn't there been successful attempts to reboot reboot
1: yeah i and I think i honestly, I think it's good that it has not ever been successfully rebooted mm-hmm. because like we were talking about it is a time capsule it belongs in the mid mid to late nineties to two thousand and one. I think it would be bad if you rebooted it
0: yeah it's it's uh it is true I mean like who really wants a really fluid-looking reboot. Because
1: it wouldn't look right. Like, there'd be no reason for these characters to be blue and green and have fucking mercury-looking hair.
0: Which, again, the textures are really good on that hair, but...
1: It's so good. There is one shot that I was honestly surprised didn't get mentioned, where, like, because Bob's hair is getting done when he wakes up in the morning, and it comes out of the dryer, and he's it's, like, gold and it's pulled into little pigtails, and it's like a ha ha. He's he he's got he's got girl hair, and then like a a video call from Enzo just pops up, and Enzo does not mention the, his new duds.
0: Yeah, that's a joke.
1: Yeah, he's just like Bob. We got trouble. Like no no comment. No like oh nice hair. No ha ha. No like it's just there, and then it's gone.
0: Yeah. So again. You can make the case that uh, Reboot was just the first to do it. Like, they were the first uh, one to make a fully CGI animated show. So, any of it's like any of the praise we can heap onto it has to come with like an asterisk or whatever. But for its time, and the fact, even though it is like the first one to really do it, uh, it still looks very good for the time.
1: Even now, like, honestly, it still looks okay. It's janky as hell, but but it's charming.
0: Hundred percent. And Mainframe Entertainment from here on, just like to give you a bit of a rundown of what they did after reboots. Uh, they would go on to make a lot of fully CGI shows. They had not they had a niche and they were running with it. They, they did uh, all... Beast Wars. They did they Shadow made all Raiders.
1: The Barbie movies from Mattel, uh, and most importantly, they made the Scary Godmother movies
0: that too uh they did the did you ever see the show zix i did not uh very similar to reboot but with like live action elements wherein kids would like log on to this video game kind of deal and use avatars to fight stuff it doesn't matter it's a very (laughs) forgettable show Uh, but yeah eventually they became the eventually they became the uh barbie cgi show uh cgi film company yep which is kind of sad
1: and that's yeah that's sort of where they've settled in today
0: uh their last one was barbie big city big dreams september 1st 2021
1: i wonder have they been doing the um the barbie vlogs
0: probably i i think uh, they have like exclusive rights to any and all barbie animation
1: i love well then i love that for them because those barbie vlogs are freaking hilarious Yes. So, yeah, like Mainframe Studios has been making the Barbie blogs on YouTube.
0: Yep, they still exist. Uh, They're still going hard at it uh, and have not worked with the concept of reboots for a while. They were involved in the Netflix series, but not by much. So, there you go. There's your little pre visit to reboots, a show that holds up much better than you think it would for numerous reasons.
1: Unless you were already in the reboot fandom, in which case you've been new, you've just been listening to us rehash ideas that you already knew.
0: Mm-hmm. And like even if we have to like add at least caveats of, it looks good for, for its time. It's like it's very innovative for its time. So what? <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean something everything has to be innovative at, at, at some point.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of pressure on mainframe entertainment to make the first CGI animated show make something that had never been done before on television and And they nailed it for all intents and purposes they nailed it so that's going to do it for this latest episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, thank you so much for listening Uh, if you enjoyed our little conversation about reboots, uh, support the release of the show, go buy it from Shout Factory go watch it on the Shout Factory website and give us a nice rating on your podcatcher of choice you can find us at Cartoon Night Pod on Twitter. I'm at Cinema Creep.
1: And you can find me at Sylvie Skeletons.
0: All right, that's good.